You're listening to the Bible Roots Podcast with Pastor Randy Frazee. If you're a church leader looking for creative ideas to help your church engage more deeply with the Bible, this podcast is for you. And now, for today's episode. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to the Bible Roots Podcast, and I am Randy Frazee, the host of this awesome, brand-new podcast. It is devoted to the topic of Bible engagement. Why? Because Bible engagement is the number one catalyst for spiritual growth with no close second. I encourage you to check out episode one where we lay out the case for this discovery. And if you're a pastor or responsible for leading people spiritually, this podcast is for you. And we encourage you, if you like it, to share with other people you know. Uh, Today, I am so excited. I have been waiting for this. Uh, to have a conversation with my good friend, Dr. Nicole Martin from the American Bible Society. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you, Randy. So great to be on with you today. It is so exciting. You got the coolest smile on the planet. Hey, <laughs> you are. We have so much fun together. Hey, yeah, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your journey and what ultimately led you to American Bible Society and uh, let everyone get to know you a little bit better who doesn't. Sure. So again, thank you so much. I am excited to be on this uh, podcast with you. Just being here reminds me of my very first podcast, which was with Eric Rochester in Kansas City. Is that right? So this brings back sweet memories for me. I became, I got started with American Bible Society in 2016. At that time, I was serving as a Charlotte mobilizer, where we started working with bringing churches together in the city. And then after that, God opened the doors for me to serve more fully at American Bible Society, serving our U.S. ministry strategy, and then our trauma healing ministry, and now currently serving as a senior Vice President of Ministry Impact. And in this place, I get to oversee all of the wonderful things that God is doing through Ministry Impact at ABA, the Armed Services, our Faith and Liberty Disbible Distribution, Trauma Healing, and our Digital Bible Lab. But more importantly, I have a six and an eight-year-old who are amazing, and I have <laughs> been married for 11 years to this great man of God, Mark Martin, and I love Jesus. And that's yeah. what matters. <laughs> that's have, what matters. You have a busy, busy life. And man, that, I didn't realize it's just since 2016. So, wow, you've just, over the course of these few years, you've just like, just rocketed into this space. Yeah, by the grace of God. That's right. Yeah, as a matter of fact, when we set this out, you know, you had you had shifted from working with cities to trauma healing, and yes. uh, I, you know, I didn't even realize that you had made this next move. So we're going to expand our conversation, and this will be a seven-hour podcast for people to listen <laughs> as they drive across America. No, we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep it going, but we have so much to talk about, and I want to start with the topic of Bible engagement because when we first met, I remember in one of the first talks you gave, you kind of gave your idea of what we mean by Bible engagement. You had an idea. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So around, let's see, probably around 2017 and 18, around 2017, early 18, our ministry intelligence unit began to work with other Bible engagement partners to figure out what exactly do we mean? How do you measure scripture engagement? So they came out after conversations with many partners with three core areas. Mm -hmm. Bible engagement is defined as around frequency, centrality, and morality. 
So Bible engagement is defined as how frequently we read the Bible, how central the Bible is to the choices that we make, and how the Bible shapes our moral choices in relationships. So frequency, centrality, morality, which essentially means how frequently, how it affects our choices and how it affects our relationships. Yeah, because Bible engagement, just to make you smarter, isn't really the goal of this thing, right? So you got to measure how it's changing your character, how it's moving you. That's Uh, right. That is well. When we first met, uh, which was in Kansas City, uh, you guys had done. You, you were doing a lot of city stuff. I know you'd worked yes. in Charlotte, and that's where you yeah. started working with Eric Rochester from the Sending that's Project. Right. And I was rolling into town March of 2018, so <laughs> that's right. I, I was just getting into town, Kansas City, for the yeah. first time, and yeah. uh, got to be at several gatherings with you uh, mm-hmm. specifically. And I remember that you know, as you were doing this work in the city, which I want you to tell more about what you were trying to do in the city of Kansas City, and then specifically talk about the state of the Bible back then, which was done on Kansas City specifically, because it had a great impact on me. So what were you doing in cities? And tell us about uh, that state of the Bible in Kansas City. Absolutely. I totally remember that meeting because it was one of the first meetings I had outside of Charlotte. And I remember thinking, this guy is brand new to the city and already he's doing unity movements. Like you were doing the one campaign and, you know, you were pulling people together and you were just, you were an early adopter for Bible engagement. So at that time, we were working through a set of research. We were testing a set of research against the church to see, does this make sense? And it was around Bible search terms, Bible engagement trends. And in Kansas City in particular, I remember we were looking at what are the most searched terms or subjects or questions that people are asking about the Bible in Kansas City. I distinctly remember that dinosaurs was like one of the top searches in Kansas City. And people were wondering. And so, you know, it it caused us to lean in. Well, what what is prompting this exploration of the Bible and dinosaurs? How do we shape curriculum and tools to give to the church so that this can be a relevant form of Bible engagement? So through our Look Inside campaign at that time, and now as we kind of fast forward to church engagement, the goal is still the same. How do we engage people in the Bible? And we have this crazy goal. We want to see 100 million Americans engaged in the Bible by 2033. It's crazy. We're already, the the studies show that there are approximately on any given day, approximately 60 to 65 million Americans in the pathway of scripture engagement line someplace from midway engaged to Bible centered. So we're really talking about 40 million Americans are in what we call the movable middle. And any given day, they can decide with a friend by an invitation from a pastor, 40 million Americans on any given day can say, yeah, I think I'll lean in and read the Bible. Or they can say, I'm becoming Bible disengaged. I'm becoming a Bible skeptic. I've seen enough. I've heard enough. I'm done with that book. Yeah, that's an amazing goal. Uh, yes. Yeah, and I'm so excited about that. And, it, and yeah. I'm assuming it's connected to 2033 yes. uh, because of the desire to have the Bible, uh, at least a That's portion right. of the Bible in every language on the planet. Right. So it's connected. So, so we don't just have the, the word of God, whether in written or audio form, but we also have a movement that causes people yes. to engage it. I I think that's really important because, you know, a lot of people are not sure what to do just with the Bible. You know, when I was a young kid and my grandmother got me a King James version of the Bible, I was, I knew it was a special book, but by myself, I didn't have any idea what to do with it. I'd open up and read it and had no idea what I was reading. Yes. So we need the help. 
Yeah. Okay. So when we were in Kansas City and uh, together, one of the things I got from that was was oh by the way I want to mention the thing on dinosaur if I could for a second. The yes, reason I yes. think that's that's so fascinating that you mentioned that is because oftentimes that would be the last thing that I would teach on. You know, that's as right. a pastor, I'm like you know I'm not going to yeah. teach on dinosaurs. I'm just not going to do yeah. it. But that's what the people are most interested in, and I Absolutely. think that's the beauty of this research. You know, that's exactly right. And when you think about where people are and where the church is, sometimes there's an unintentional disconnect. And what the research is showing us now, people will get their answers. They want to get it. You know, Christians want to get their answers from the church. But if the pastor isn't preaching on tattoos, if the pressure, if nobody in the church is talking about dinosaurs, they're going to go to Google and let's pray that whatever comes up is theologically accurate and biblically sound. And nine times out of 10, it's probably not. I think I think that's fascinating. So a good takeaway, yeah. particularly if you're a Kansas City pastor, probably would work yes. in other cities as well, is work up a 2022 series on what the Bible says about dinosaurs. There you go. <laughs> Kids are going to love it. Perfect. Now, one of the things I remember in the study is that it showed that um, there's a lot of people that desire to engage the Bible, but the number one um, sort of obstacle for them yeah. was simply margin in time. They just, you go. they just didn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't rock and science. Mm-hmm. They just said, no, it's not that we are disinterested in the Bible. We are just, yes. we are just trying to get through the day and the day's yes. all used up and we're exhausted yes. before the end of it. And that led us mm-hmm. as a church in my first, you know, first year here to say if Bible engagement's the number one catalyst for spiritual growth and the number yes. one obstacle, according to the study that you guys did, American Bible Society in Kansas City is a, is a, a margin issue, then we need to speak to this margin issue. And so we did a financial and, as you know, we did a financial piece as well Mm -hmm. as a time margin in partnership with Dave Ramsey. Uh, And uh, the results were phenomenal. But we my initial my my initial spark to lead 110 churches in that effort was reading that study that you guys did on something like as simple as margin. Yes. Well, that is exactly what we're hoping to do. We just want to provide resources for pastors to know how to kind of navigate through this. And our state of the Bible research is what I keep referring to what you and I are talking about. We did one for 2021 and it it found some of the same types of trends and a few different ones. Okay. So one trend was, you're right. The number one barrier to Bible engagement is time followed by, I don't understand it. So why don't people read the Bible? Because they don't make time. And I'm careful to say make time because we have the same amount of time. We just don't make it. And then the second part is I don't understand it. So this gets into translations. This gets into, you know, application of the Bible. How do we help the average person who's in that Bible center, that kind of middle ground, the movable middle? How do we help them to see that the Bible is relevant? And the research shows it depends on the generation. So younger generations want to see the Bible relevant in issues that affect them every day. They want to see the Bible speaking to what's happening with issues of justice. They want to see the Bible speaking to what's happening with the racial divides in this country. Older generations want to see the Bible as relevant for how to leave a legacy, how to steward your money, how to do more of the individual life. So you've got to, you know, the research kind of shows us we've got to spread a very wide tent of relevance so that every generation can, at the end of the day, say, this book is for me. That's the key, because the number one reason why people do read the Bible is because it draws them closer to God. 
Yeah, once they get into it, but they're a little bit yeah. overwhelmed with it, aren't they? The, the, and, Absolutely. And, and I think that's really helpful. You know, and as a pastor, you know, I have both of those generations sitting in front of me and I have to speak mm-hmm. to to both of them. And yeah. uh, and that's really fascinating. So maybe sometimes the answer is not just your sermon. A lot of times that's as a lead it. pastor, we're thinking it's all about your sermon, but there's that's just it. so many other ways to engage the Bible that's really more targeted to the particular generation you're talking to. Well said. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. That's helpful. Way helpful. Okay. I'm already getting some new ideas here. Um, (laughs) So great. This is great when you benefit from the conversation. It's like, yeah, yeah, I I get the interview. Uh, This is like a counseling session. Um, (laughs) So a consulting session for sure. Hey, let's talk a little bit about um, trauma healing because that may be a new category for a lot of people. It was a very new category for me when I stepped into Kansas City and first Mm -hmm. met you and the trauma healing work that's going on here. So tell us uh, a little bit about what trauma healing and Bible engagement have to do with each other. Man, I'm so glad you asked that question. We get that question all the time. You know, why is a Bible society engaging in trauma healing? Well, two main truths. Number one, trauma is a barrier to engaging in God's word. Mm. And number two, at times, if we, if we can create, if God can use us to create the atmosphere, well, trauma can be one of the main catalysts to Bible engagement. So again, back to this movable middle, the majority of people who are not engaging with God's word have had some incident, some situation, some trauma that they have endured that's caused them to believe that God was not there. And at the same time, those who are deeply clinging to the word of God have had some experience where they realize if it wasn't for God, I would have nothing left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this for me is deeply theological because our faith is wrapped around trauma. The trauma of the cross is what draws all of us together. Mm -hmm. It's what makes us realize that we're broken people. It's what helps us to realize that, you know, it's the, it's, it's, it's Paul calling out in Romans seven, who shall save me from this life of sin? But then resurrection comes and says, it's Christ who saves and not just saves, but it's Christ who heals. So trauma healing becomes a beautiful accompaniment, for example, to translation. Once a Bible is translated in a language that people can understand, it now needs to be accompanied by a healing mechanism. Mm -hmm. It is a beautiful agent in the U.S. I was looking at an article just today, Randy, that was talking about, it was a New York Times article about, I think the headline, I'm looking at it now, it said 100, why 1,320 therapists are worried about mental health in America right now. Um, And they are saying that the demand for mental health resources in the U.S. is exceeding the capacity. Hi, this is Randy Frazee, host of the Bible Roots podcast, which is brought to you by my friends at Harper Christian Resources. Harper Christian Resources equips you to understand the scriptures, cultivate spiritual growth, and disciple your people with Bible study resources from today's most trusted voices. Well, here's the church. We have the word of healing. We know the balm and Gilead. We have the resources to help lead someone to healing waters so that they can see a counselor. And trauma healing strives to do that, to help people to see that there is healing available in God's word. Man, that is so, so powerful. So well said. And it so matches up with my 30 plus years of pastoring to yeah. be honest with you, I sometimes um, almost wish upon some people to have a trauma or issue in their yes. life because it's the greatest opportunity. I said, if I could orchestrate and not go That's to right. jail, I would orchestrate a, right. a, a trial in your life because yeah. it makes you the most yeah. receptible to the word of God. Or like you say, or it could actually 
turn you the other way. Can, can you give like an example? Because I have an example in my own personal life of trauma and yes. Bible engagement. I mean, you, you have a specific yes. uh, example of somebody, what, what the trauma was and how the Bible helped yes. them. And that's yes. a specific person, so, but just an example. Absolutely. So two bits of research here. One is the trauma monograph, which is available on Barna Access. Um, ABS sponsored the trauma monograph in 2019. Little did we know we were coming into a trauma pandemic. Um, but that talks a, a little bit about what are the top traumas that people face that become the, I'm thinking of Henry Blackaby, that kind of like crossroad where you have to decide for one thing that creates a crisis of belief, loss of a loved one. The second, interestingly enough, betrayal. Yeah. And that comes with all kinds of betrayal wrapped into that is what people would say is betrayal by a leader, a pastor, or a church. Yeah. And then the three, four, and five examples were around abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, child abuse, um, and all of the categories therein. So it's not the event itself that's traumatic. It's it's the effect of the of the event. It's the effect of the trauma, how it keeps you up at night, how it makes you feel nervous or triggered by something else. Yep. So those those kinds of that's like what the research says. But personally, I think of two examples that we have one internationally and one domestically. And just very briefly, our trauma healing ministry has been around for 11 years. It's been around for 21 years internationally. And we have seen, we've got 20,000 facilitators. Our One of our strongest cities for trauma healing facilitators is Kansas City. I am so, so proud of that. Go yes. Kansas City. <laughs> yes. Go Chiefs. So, go, um, go trauma healing. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. But, you know, I can think about um, there were some partners in, in Kansas City who went to get trained in Charlotte about five years ago. Five years ago, Eric Rochester took a few people to be trained in Charlotte on trauma healing. And the reason why is because as they were doing some church engagement and mission work, they wanted a tool to bring to their mission work, but they also wanted a tool to connect the church. Mm. And that's why people getting trained led to now 80 across churches in Kansas City in a movement to bring healing to the city. And when there were issues with race, when there were political divides, they were able to bring in resources like generational trauma healing and lead healing groups about race or lead healing groups in loss with those who've lost loved ones in COVID. So it's just, it's a beautiful way to see this is a tool that helps equip the church to bring healing. Internationally, I'll never forget the story of healing group. And it was one of our, I want to say it was in Uganda. We've got about 65 Bible societies around the world who are doing trauma healing. And we've always seen trauma healing as a resource for believers. Once you believe in Christ, you may have a barrier to engaging in God's word. This can help healing group. He's a lawyer and he wasn't a Christian. He was Muslim, but he wasn't a Christian. And at the end of the healing group, he said, tell me about this Jesus because I've never experienced anything like this before. So this is a resource that helps people to see Jesus, whether they have walked with him for years and years and have faced a trauma or whether they've never known Jesus for themselves. It's a resource to see the healer. And I think it's a very, very powerful thing, especially now. I can't, I, I mean, and you know, you know, I was, you know, thinking uh, how brilliant it was that you got involved in trauma healing, like right before a global pandemic, right? Oh my gosh. Seriously, the, you think, right. okay, there is a God. He is really yes. superseding and, and yes. putting you in this spot where you're thinking, okay, God, I know for sure you want me to do this. Yes. And I have to tell you, Nicole, I mean, I don't think, I think we are years away from yes. understanding how devastating these last 24 months have been. Absolutely right. Don't you think so? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. You know, uh, go ahead. No, no, I, you're I just amen to that. It's just, it's, 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 right. it's overwhelming. It's over. So when it you is. say a resource, uh, is it, is it, a, a, is there a possibility that someone listening, their church could, yes. could, could tap into becoming facilitators? Is Absolutely. there a curriculum? What, what yes. is it involved? All of that. Yes, yes, yes. So traumahealinginstitute.org is our website. And this website will allow you to do several things. First, if you go to the events page, you can join a healing group. That is the first step to training. Anyone who needs, who wants to be trained should join a group. And that healing group lasts anywhere from six to eight weeks. You get a book. The book is right here next to me. It is a book on healing the wounds of trauma. And it's just an easy book that was written by uh, missionaries who've come together to really dig into how God's word helps us to bring our pain to the cross and be reconciled with each other. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And then after you've done a healing group, there may be some who say, I feel called to lead a healing group. And we call that an equipping session. So we have an initial equipping session. They take place over a weekend. They take place maybe over two or three days. And you can be trained to be a facilitator right now. There is nothing stopping you. And because of COVID, there are groups happening in person. There's a ton of them happening in Kansas City. But then they're also happening virtually. And we've got partners all around the world who are offering these equipping groups. I, when I first started Trauma Healing, um, you know, true confessions, Randy, I was just getting to know what this program was all about. I was yeah. like, what is this? Yeah. So I did a healing group myself. And at the end of the healing group, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to tell my church. I mean, I work at ABS, but I wanted my local church to know about it. Yeah. I am so proud to tell you, we have done our first set of four healing groups. They were maxed out. We've got a waiting list of people who want to be in healing groups for the reason you just named yeah. the, the impact of this pandemic. We're just going to see it for years. Yeah, I, I, I learned about it from you and, uh, <laughs> and as you brought it to Kansas city and uh, it's yeah. brilliant uh, because the most effective ministry I've ever seen is when you start with where a person's at, particularly their point of pain. And that's what this is doing. That's right. Absolutely yeah. right. It's really, well okay. Said. We'll link to all of that. You just mentioned in the show notes. Yeah. So people don't have to go back and rewind and, and listen to awesome. all of this. That's, that's really pretty cool. That's one last thing I wanted to cover, but I want to talk about, I want to talk about Bible engagement in the African-American community. Yeah. Uh, and then with a few minutes, you know, maybe some of those hundred other categories of things that you lead nationally now, <laughs> if you, yeah. if you have any highlights that you want to like uh, talk about, but I want to, I want to talk about this. I think this is a, a much more uh, uh, pertinent conversation today yeah. than it yeah. was two years ago. And not only is mm. the African-American interested in this, but I can tell you th there's a lot of, uh, of, of pastors who are, are white that are yes. desperately wanting to understand this because apparently yeah. we're coming to the grips with the fact that there's just things we didn't understand. So yeah. uh, the first yeah. question I have, and we can go in any direction we want, but what can you tell us about Bible engagement uh, within the African-American community? I, I know you guys have done some research Absolutely. on that. Yes, we have. And we just in 2020, no, it was this year, 2021, we completed a study with Barna on the state of the black church. We were part of several partners that came together to do this work. And it was really eye-opening. Mm -hmm. What we knew on the ABS side through the state of the Bible research is African-Americans tend to be a very, a very highly Bible engaged demographic. They tend to, over the past 11 years of our research, they tend to be very Bible engaged. And when we talk about that kind of uh, crisis of belief, you can argue that African-Americans 
especially Black people in America, that the trauma and the challenges that they faced have caused them to lean, to cling on uh, the Bible as a source of life. Mm -hmm. So this has been a part of, I think, the Black experience for a long time. This past year, the the documentary came out on uh, the Black church documentary, and it was just, it was a great way to see just this progression of how Bible engagement has been a source for keeping people through several major turning points in history. Mm -hmm. But what the state of the Bible, what the state of the Black church research showed us was while in other cultures, and I think predominantly white churches in general, while the trust between the pastor and the congregation tends to be going down in some cases, in the Black church, it's going up. No kidding. And I remember, yes, I remember doing... um, Actually, the the actual statistic here, there was a question in the research that asked, it was like, to what extent do you agree with this statement? Um, And the question was, the pastors of African-American churches are the most important leaders within the Black community. So it was, to what extent do you agree or disagree with this statement? Younger generations, Gen Z, we're almost 50% in agreement that that is absolutely true. And when we talked to pastors about this, they were like, you got to be kidding me. I feel like I'm losing ground with the next generation. But this research shows no younger generations, young, younger generations, specifically in African-American communities are still looking to the pastor to have a word. Uh They're looking for someone to lead the charge. They're looking for someone to stand, you know, in the midst of the battle to say there, you know, there's a word from the Lord. So it was highly encouraging in that way. And it also revealed some of the same struggles that black churches are still struggling with low church attendance. Black churches are still struggling with this, this having to navigate. How do you do politics and faith and, you know, presence and pastoral presence in these challenging times? So lots to cover, but uh, I think a lot of good insight came from that. No, it's not. And, and is that something that we can also link in the show notes is access to how to get yes, a hold of, of that? Of course. Yeah, I absolutely. Think be, I think that would be valuable not only for our, again, our African-American pastors and yeah. leaders that are listening, but uh, uh, but for others to have a yes. better understanding uh, and also p- uh, particularly what we can learn, because it is true. Uh, you can sense this uh, within the predominantly white communities, you know, that yeah. there's just that sense that the trust with the pastor is going yeah. down. There's been a lot of uh, challenges uh, in the yeah. last couple of years with sort of the celebrity pastor, you know, that yes. is, is rightfully causing people to wonder what the heck is going right. on here. Uh, right. What would be your, what would be your word? I mean, I think you just already said, said one, maybe you have another one, yeah. like, what would, what would be the word of encouragement you would have for the African-American pastor and leader? And then what would be the, the number one thing that they could focus on or challenge for them? Yeah. Well, I think one thing to just kind of keep in mind is there was a question on Black adults on church priorities. And the question was around what should churches prioritize? What should predominantly Black churches prioritize? And it was, the question was, should it be social issues? Should it be spiritual issues? Or should it be both? And they polled all Black adults and then they polled all Black churchgoers. 71% of all Black adults said it needs to be both. 79% of all Black churchgoers said it needs to be both. So I would say to Black pastors, don't be afraid to lean in. You don't have to prescribe. You don't have to have all the answers, but, but past, but the communities are expecting you to be present. 
They are expecting that you will be present when there is a tragedy. They're expecting that you will be present when it's time for hard conversations. And I would say for pastors, regardless of their race and nationality, younger generations aren't looking for pastors to have the right answers. They're mm. just looking for pastors to show up. They want to see you present and whatever that looks like to say, listen, I don't know how to show up well here, but I do know how to grieve and lament. And I'm going to show up to grieve and lament. And with that, there's a lot of authenticity because uh, authenticity yes. is that it doesn't have to put up a front that you have all the answers or that you have to talk exactly. pastorally, which is really that's a great right. relief, you know, to, yes, to say, is. I don't have yes, to have it, it all together. And that that's what our people are looking for. Wow. That's, right. that's a, that's a pretty powerful, that's a pretty powerful thing because it has been increasingly more challenging. And, and, and my African-American yes. friends here in Kansas city, the church attendance yeah. thing has been. Uh, has been a challenge, you know, for yes, them. Yes, it has. And and yes. they've got they've get, they get a little frustrated too sometimes because they see their members, you know, going to other things, you know. That's and right, thinking, but not coming to church. But not coming to church, it's like you weren't all that into us, I guess, or what? Yeah. The, the, you know, whatever it really what it was. But but my African, particularly John Brooks of uh, Macedonia, uh, he and I have been buddies for uh, the whole time that I've been here, and just learning from him. Uh, and uh, leaning into uh, that balance between not being completely on the social justice side, but being gospel centric and really trying to bridge those things together uh, has been a challenge, which goes back to Bible engagement. He says, I got to keep my people in the word of God because we're never going to figure this uh, political thing out. And uh, I think that's a real challenge. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Okay. There's two questions that I like to to ask uh, each Mm -hmm. of my guests. And, uh, and so I'm going to give you the questions and it's basically, uh, and you, and you, 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 you said this in, in relationship to the African-American community, but, um, what is your greatest frustration? And this is where, you know, being authentic, <laughs> you know, if you could be, you know, yeah. queen Nicole for the day and whatever you, yeah. you said, yes. every church would do to the best of their ability. What is the, what's the thing that you, the, maybe your greatest frustration as you've worked with cities, you've worked with churches, you've come up with all this stuff with Bible engagement. What is, what is it we're missing? What is it that we fail are failing to do? Just that one thing that you said, wow, we probably should edit this out, but we're not going to just, you know, speak to us boldly. Like, come on, be, <laughs> be prophet Nicole. Yeah, man. I, I think, there are a couple of, you know, things swirling in my mind. I'm trying to decide which one is the more important, but I would say don't lose sight. In in the world that I'm in, in parachurch world, there's a, a, there's a tension and a sort of, a sort of frustration in parachurch world that says, we deeply believe in the church. And then we get into church engagement and we're trying to bring pastors together and we're trying to bring churches together. And then the, in the back of your mind, you're like, this would be so much easier if I just went and worked with a corporate organization, or this would be so much easier if I just went with another parachurch organization or a Christian business or something. But, but I think the world, the church, the pastor would be so much better off if they deeply believed that God's calling for the church is true. God is coming back to redeem the church. I am not going to preach this sermon. but (laughs) I do want, I want pastors and churches to remember that despite the rise and fall, despite the mental health issues, despite the challenges and the brokenness of this world, you are still the source of healing. Mm. 
So if I had to choose, do you want to invest in the women's tea or do you want to invest in a time of, of consecration and, and pray over the city? Pray over the city, like be the beacon of the city. Nobody else can do what you do. A hundred union organizations can do a women's tea and there's nothing wrong with women's tea. I actually have a cup of tea and I am a woman and I love women's tea. <laughs> but, but I want, I wish we could see that New Testament Pauline urgency in the church that says, I have got to be about my father's business. I've got to equip this world for the coming of Jesus Christ, because if the church doesn't do it, no one else can. And there's so many pressures on pastors. There's so many pressures to adopt a new program or go down this new, you know, techie way or try and full way. But at the end of the day, making disciples, and yeah. nobody else can do that but the church. Yeah. yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is, uh, you know, be courageous, right? Because you've got you've yes. got the blood of Jesus on your side. You've got yes. you know, you've got all of this on your side. Don't back down. Yes. Because I think Don't we've lost down. a little we've lost a little confidence. Uh, yes. Nicole, Absolutely. we've really we've lost a little confidence in what you're telling us to. You know, uh, you you lack your confidence, but you're you're, you're but you've got a God who gave His Son for yes. this thing called his bride. Yes. So, Amen. What would be um, the, the, your biggest encouragement? When you, when you look at churches, particularly in America, and you can go international as well, um, what's the thing that, you know, because obviously you wake up every day and you work with a lot of yeah. wonderful organizations, but you also yeah. work with the church. What's the thing that says, wow, um, this is pretty encouraging. What do yeah. you see? I have seen so much encouragement in the way that pastors and churches have been able to pivot over these last two years. I have seen pastors who would never do Zoom buy tripods and put a phone in the middle of the little, you know, the ring light and preach the gospel. I have seen my grandmother learn how to get on, you know, a streaming uh, service so that she could be in church online. I have seen pastors who are used to a call and response, used to preaching and hearing back, adapt to preaching on a screen where nobody says amen and you don't know if the sermon is getting anywhere. And I think this adaptability shows that we recognize the sign of the times. We recognize that there's no such thing as church as usual. Every day, every month, every generation is gonna call us to pivot. And I have been so encouraged by churches who are standing up to that challenge. Yeah, that's Amazing. a great word of encouragement. Uh, and yeah. uh, we need to hear from someone like you who sees the whole picture uh, that concept yeah. that uh, the truth that the, the messages stay the same, but the methods yes. uh, can yes. pivot. And as long as we keep that in mind, we don't change the core of what the Bible is telling us, but the methods yeah. we keep adapting uh, yes. and, uh, and, 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 and the church will flourish. We know in the end we win, so we should walk yes. around like we're winners for sure. That's right. That's yeah. right. I agree. Nicole, uh, uh, there's other, a lot of other areas you work in or just anything that yeah. we didn't uh, talk about or anything you want to tell us about uh, before we wrap up? Yeah. Oh my gosh, so many things. But I think the biggest thing is I want to extend an invitation. I would love to personally host you and any of your listeners at our Faith and Liberty Discovery Center in Philadelphia. We have invested in this advocacy effort to help um, shine a light on the Bible's role in our country, the good things and the challenging aspects, the ways that we have been, you know, forging ahead in some beautiful ways and the ways that maybe we we've misstepped, 
But the point is the Bible is there and I would be so honored to have you there. We have a website. Well, you know, I'll make sure you have that faith and Liberty uh, discovery center, but we want to see people come and experience a lot. Is, is that a specific um, event uh, or is it uh, just something you can come to at any time? You can come to at any time. You can bring family and friends. It is open all year long. We just opened our doors in July of this past year, which is crazy in a pandemic. Who yeah. would do that? <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you just got to go where God is calling. And, and we felt called to, to make this happen. And so anytime, we'd love to have you there. Thank you, Nicole. Well, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, uh, thank you so much for being with me today, Nicole. I knew uh, before we even scheduled this, if oh, if I could just get Nicole, uh, you will fire <laughs> the audience up. I remember, I remember the first uh, time I heard you speak. It was actually a prayer, uh, you know, with the sending project, yeah. and we were all yeah. we all had like five minutes or three minutes. Yeah. And I, I'd done my thing, and then you got up and you said one of the closing prayers, and I turned to my wife and I said, "Okay, that gal." She's got it. She's got it going on. And uh, you just prayed and inspired us. And every time you speak, Nicole, God's hand is on you. And congratulations for uh, for just the, the 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 new role that you have. Uh, I can't think of a better person to be in this spot. So thank you for being with us. I can't wait for everybody to hear this conversation about Bible engagement and all that you brought to it. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, everybody, that's a wrap for today. Uh, Everyone's listening and watching to this episode with Dr. Nicole Martin. And if you've enjoyed it, uh, can I ask you to write a review and share it with a friend? See you the next time on Bible Roots. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Bible Roots podcast. We hope you were encouraged and energized by our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review. This small gesture will help more church leaders discover our conversations around Bible engagement. And don't forget, like and subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Now, may your faith be strengthened through God's word today and every day.